And you know, this, this year I decided that I'm going to share something called The Night the Angels Sang. Every year around Christmas, I read the gospel stories, a story of the nativity, the birth of Jesus again. And you know, in Luke chapter 2, I came to this point where I, there was the angels coming to the shepherds and there was a glorious light in the sky. And do you know something? This year is an amazing year. You may think 2020 is all about coronavirus. No, it's about the Christ star. Because we are told that between the 16th and the 21st of December, which is right smack this week, and this weekend actually, the planets Jupiter and Saturn is going to come together and the Christ star is going to shine. That's what the Magi, the three wise men saw. And on that night, 2,000 years ago, the angels came to the shepherds and they said this to them. In Luke chapter 2, the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid because I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people because in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the promised Messiah, Christ the Lord. But what is the Savior's message? What is He saving us from? What is the purpose of the Savior? That is when this year, I was so captivated by the lyrics of this beautiful hymn. You know, what is it that the angels sang that night? Now, we don't really know. We have some of it in the Bible. But I would like to think that the angels sang this song. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Now, look at this next line. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul found its worth. What is the error? What is the error of man? The error of man is that we do not know the value and the worth of our soul. One of the most beautiful things, really, I, I must tell you this. Probably this message is the hardest for me to share, not because it's, the content is hard, but the preciousness of it is hard. This, for this year, during MCO, sometime during MCO, the Lord began to speak into my heart the value of the human soul, how much it means to God, the worth of the soul, and how God pines within Himself when He sees us go into error, the error of our ways, the deceptiveness of the devil upon our lives, and we go on into error. And as we go into error, our soul loses its worth. So I'm going to share with you three important points about the soul. The soul is special. It is set apart. It is different from anything else. It is not just another creation of God. It is special. On top of it, the sad thing or the thing we must understand, the soul is the seat of transactions. Of all transactions in our lives revolves around the soul of man. And thirdly, salvation of souls is God's greatest desire. The heartbeat of God is about Christmas because that is when the plan of salvation of God can, was executed. So what is so special about the soul of man? Let me share with you what the soul of man means. It starts off in Genesis. What is man? You know, the Bible, some 8 says, what is man that you should be mindful of him? Or the son of man 
that you should care for him, that you should come and take care of him, that you should help him, that you should visit him, that you should want him. What is so special about the soul of man? The psalmist says, this is what is special about the soul of man. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Now we lose the power of those words. In other words, humankind is not an object of evolution. It's an ob it, is a, it is by divine creation, not even by divine creation. It's by a purposeful creation of God. And when God created man in his own image, it means that he put himself into the soul of man. He put his image into the soul of man. So when you look at another person, it is the dignity of the man that has risen. It is the worth of the man. There's value in a human soul. You know, I want to share this because, you know, you look at COVID-19 now, right? And it's ravaging, especially around our factory sites, uh, foreign workers where they stay. And God began to really teach me, why is it that throughout Scripture, throughout Old Testament, New Testament, nations will be judged for the way we treat the aliens, the foreign workers, the poor, the marginalized, the orphans, and the widows. Because we forget that the poor has an equal, has a val the value of his soul is equal in value to yours and to mine. In other words, when God looks at a poor man, when God looks at a foreign worker, when God looks at you, when God looks at me, he doesn't just look at us. He says, you are made in my image. You are valuable before you can do anything. You are valuable because I made you. That's the first thing we must recognize in a human soul. And that is why I began to re realize that poverty means a lot to God. And the reason why God made us to care for the poor is that we do not look down at a person who has lost, been, been the you know, victim of the misfortunes of life. His soul has as much value as yours and mine. And it brings us back to this, what's called a common ground, a common playing field, a level ground. When you and I look at another person, as much as the person may be less dignified than us, less prestigious than us, less knowledgeable than us, his circumstances in life may not be as good as us, his soul has an equal value as yours and mine. Wow. Secondly, what is it so special about the human soul? Wow. The next thing God did when he made man is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I love this. I love this. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, but it's not just another carbon atom. What did he do? As he formed man out of the dust of the ground, he breathed into, his nostril, into him, him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. What does it mean? Man became a living soul. In other words... The human person is not like any of God's creation. It's greater than the mountains. It's greater than the beautiful fish and the seas and everything that you see in all God's creation. It has got His life in it. The soul of man not only carries the image of God and therefore has dignity, has honour, is worthy of respect. That is why God asks us to respect one another, to honour one another, is to honour the image of God in the other person. As much as you don't like that person, he carries the image of God. But secondly, in that dignity of his soul is also the life of God. The life of God means this, my brothers and sisters. Just think about it. 
When the life of God flows into us, there's a river flowing into our soul. It carries purpose. It carries creativity. It carries His very own lifeblood. And it carries eternity. It is precious to Him. And that is why a soul separated from God struggles to know its worth, struggles to find meaning in life, struggles about its own value, and will do all it can to find the value of the human soul. And that is why the devil knows that. You see, the soul is the seat of human transaction, which is why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, 16, verse 26, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now look at this. This whole verse means, Jesus is saying to us, the soul has a value, it has a dignity, it has a value that is inestimable because it's got the life of God in it, it's got the image of God in it, but you can lose all that value. It's not that the soul loses its value, but you've exchanged it for something less valuable. Now, I'm reminded of this. How do we exchange something for less valuable? You know, Edward VIII, that is a, I think he's the granduncle of Elizabeth II, the Queen of England, lost his throne in exchange for a woman's love. Now, you may say that's quite valuable. That's fine. But I'm just using this as an illustration. What he had was the throne of England. But when he forfeited that for the love of another woman, he lost the value of the power, the value and the power of the throne of England. In many ways, our soul is worth more than that. Because in Psalm 8, when God told the psalmist to write this down, what is man that you should care for him? Or the son of man that you should look after him? What is man? He was made just a little lower than Elohim. Elohim is God himself. And he has given him rulership, dominion over the works of his hand. That authority of the human soul, the dignity of the human soul, the value of the human soul will be lost. And when that is, we exchange it for something less valuable. Like Edward VIII. He exchanged the power of the throne of England for something in many people's minds, are less valuable. How does that happen? Satan is the deceiver to deceive us for, and he wants our soul. I'm going to give you five points. How can the soul of man be transacted? How does the devil manage to get us to exchange the value of our soul for something less valuable? To give up this life of God flowing through us to have whatever other kind of life. How does he do that? First of all, we must remember, five points, I'll give it to you. The soul of man is created to connect to God, to belong to God. Because, listen, unless the life of God can flow into our soul, we will settle for everything that's much less of a life. That is what happens. And so the devil knows that. So the devil's main aim is to go for the human soul. Now, the devil cannot just take over a soul. Because the soul of man carries dignity and carries a power of authority. That means he cannot force you to give it up. He has to persuade you. The power of a human being and the dignity God gave a human soul is that you can refuse the entry of the evil one, but you can also refuse the entry of God. So how does the devil trick us? He tricks us through the many issues of life. How does the devil go for our soul? 
He goes for our soul by coming to us in our desperation, in our ignorance or what I would call human foolishness, to deceit, to, because we are not as wise as him, not as clever as him, but we forget we actually have the wisdom of God because we're not connected to God. And it also comes to us through the lust of our flesh, the greed within us. And when he does that, he has possession of our souls and the soul goes into captivity and can be lost forever. But let me share with you. What is it that the devil is doing to many of us? What is it that I saw God speak into our lives? God began to say to me, the Lord began to say to me, truly, the devil needs a human soul. Do you know something? If I refuse, the Lord said this to me, if you refuse to yield your soul to me, you're actually opening yourselves to yield yourselves to the, any, the devil. And the evil spirits need human souls before they can operate. That's the power of a human soul. Isn't it amazing? No matter how powerful is Satan, he cannot operate minus a human soul. So what does he do? He comes into our lives in a moment of desperation. Now I want to say this. Why are we praying for the sick? We are praying for the sick because when a man is desperate and he is sick, he will go to every source to find help. And that is why we must pray for the sick. Not because when we pray, things will suddenly happen, but we must do all we can to prevent that man from going to other sources and opening his mind and his heart and his soul to the devil. I have seen when people, in fact, I ministered to a few people in their moment of desperation of sickness, they actually went to Bobos. They're Christians, they're believers. Why did they do that? Because they were desperate. Why did they do that? Because of folly and ignorance. And why do people want to give up their souls so easily because of greed? Do you know when I was praying for Sabah this year, the Lord began to show to me an even more serious thing. When you have a group of people who are poor, they are desperate, they have no money to feed their family. They don't even know where to find resource to look to, to feed their children. So guess what the devil comes to them in the form of greed. So you need a force of a man that's greedy. So that greedy man get, transacts his soul to the devil, allows the devil to give all kinds of ideas how to rob a poor man. And he goes to the man, the natives in Sabah, and says, sell me your land. And they sell it to him at a pittance. Sometimes they sell it to him at almost nothing. And then this poor man is so foolish. He thinks that the worth of his soul is a handphone, is a television set. And when he gets the money, he buys a television set, he buys a handphone. He doesn't even remember to ask for his family. He has sold not only his soul, but the soul of his children. And before long, the soul of an entire community, entire tribes, are lost to the evil one. Do you know something? When I was praying for Sabah, the Lord taught me how to pray for the souls of Sabah and said, pray that the man, the natives in Sabah will see the value they have in themselves, the dignity God has given them. It's not whether they are Sabahans or whether they are Europeans or whether they are Chinese. So it's not about race. It's a soul. A soul has value because whether you are Chinese, you are Indian, you are Malay, you are Bangladeshi, you are Myanmarese, you are Nepalese, you are made in the image of God. And as you do that, it says, when that man votes, he has dignity. His soul is valuable. Do you know, it really spoke to me. I didn't realize how important it is to go into nations and help people see that their very choices in life can determine not just their own soul, but the soul of a nation. And that is why, because the soul of man 
is so precious, is set apart for God. And because the soul of man will lose its life, meaning of life, if it's given over to the follies of man, we think that we can, you know, if only we get all the wealth in the world, all the power, all the fame, then we will have value in ourselves, we will have something, we will have life. Actually, we are so foolish because none of this can compare to the value of the human soul. You know, when I was in Edinburgh, there was a very famous play that I watched. One of the best plays to understand the value of a human soul. The play is called Dr. Faustus, written by Christopher Marlowe. And Dr. Faustus was a German scholar. Dr. Faustus was truly a man of great understanding, great scholarship, and he studied the arts, the religions, and the sciences of his day. And one thing that was lurking in Dr. Faustus' heart, you see, the devil knows what will draw us away from God and give, surrender our souls to him. So one of the things Dr. Faustus longed for is fame, power, wisdom, the kind of intellect that no one could challenge him. He wanted to be the best. He wanted to be the most successful, most knowledgeable man that even the kings and the emperors of the German Empire, even the popes would want to get to know him. And because of this lust for this kind of power, prestige, fame, honour, wow, he then went before a devil and asked for a transaction of his soul with Lucifer. And the devil, Lucifer, came to him and said, Yes, you can have all the fame, all the wealth, all the prestige, all the honor that men can give to you. And he says, I want it. And he said, I own God 24 years, but give me your soul. So Dr. Faustus says, that's a fairly good deal. 24 years is a long time. I don't know what will happen to the world in 24 years. Let me go for this. Wow. And he thought about what fame he would get, what power he could have even over the popes, what power he would get in the courts of the German Empire at that time. And he went for it. So he sold his soul. It's a willing buyer, willing seller transaction. That is what it means. The soul is a seat of transaction. Willing buyer, willing seller. He gave his soul. The devil takes it. And he gets wealth, honor, well, the kind of honour that men can give to men, prestige, fame. But when the 24 years came to an end, the devil came looking for him and says, look, this is what you signed. He signed a document in his blood. And the devil says, your soul belongs to me. Now you come with me into an eternal damnation. Dr. Faustus cried, he pleaded, he repented, he screamed, he shouted, he did everything he could. But nothing could help him because he had transacted his soul for the things of this earth. Power, money, fame, even women. All this is not what your soul measures up to. The soul of man must have the life of God flowing through it. For out of that life will flow rivers of life. The soul of man is eternal. Where does it go? In fact, the final destination of the soul is glory. It's glory, it's glory, it's glory in heaven. It's glory. It's not even just on earth. The glorious days are not just here. It's beyond this earth. It's in heaven. Which is why 
When God looks at our foolishness and the evilness of the wicked one, he did all he could to save the soul of man. And so salvation of souls is God's greatest plan. You know, I want you to know this. We may think, you know, sometimes we look at some people that are so wicked. Do you know there's a verse in the Bible, in Ezekiel chapter 18? It says that, Do I have any pleasure at all, God says, that even the wicked should die, that their soul should be lost forever, says the Lord? And would it not that I would long for him to turn from his ways and live? And look at this verse. Look at the heart of God, our Creator. For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Turn and live. Wow. Listen to these words. I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, not even in the wicked man. The wicked has, pos- the wicked has surrendered his soul to the wicked. And I cry, I pine, I wish he had woken up. I wish he would turn back to me and that he would have lived. Do you know something? No matter how wicked people are, if they can at this moment, if over this Christmas season, they begin to wake up and arise, my soul is lost, and they turn around, and they come back to God. God says, I will come to him, and he shall live. Why does he live? He lives because the life of God flows into that soul again. Look at again. Look at how, how much God longs for the human soul. Look at this. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians chapter 1. I almost pray it almost every day. Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 6. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. So I want you to look at this. Remember I said the soul is precious? Why is it precious? It's because it's made in His image. It's got the life of God flowing to Him. It's meant for dignity. It's meant for authority. It has power. It can dominate the world. It can do many things. That is what God made the human soul for, to rule and to reign and to bring up productivity. So when God looks at us, He loves us, and He chose us in Christ. And God, in verse 5, in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. And in verse 5, and God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself, to Jesus Christ. And look at these next two phrases. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Why was it that night when Jesus was born, the angels sang. The angels sang because they saw that God was so happy. Now, now the folly of man can be aborted. Now, the deceits, the devil's deception can be broken. Now, his own life can come on earth because Jesus would now come as God to man and as man would come back to God. That's why the angels sang that night. The angels were amazed that God would pay such an amazing price just so that our soul would go back to him because God knows that without the life of God flowing to us, we will be foolish. And we will be beguiled into making all those mistakes. I want you to look at Luke 15. I have purposely not put it up on the screen. Luke 15 is a story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And you know, it starts off in Luke 15 by saying, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said, why is he eating with sinners? And the Lord said to me, many, phar- many religious people don't recognize the preciousness of their soul. It's not in the religion. It's just that the soul is precious. 
And the Lord said to me, Jesus went to sit amongst the tax collectors and the scoundrels of the town because these people had transacted their souls for greed, for money, for lust, for pleasure. And he was so broken that he had to go to them. And he told them the story of the lost sheep. What is the lost sheep? The lost sheep is someone, through his own foolishness, wanders away. He loses his, his dignity. He loses his life. He doesn't even know what it's all about. What is the lost coin? Ah, the lost coin is beautiful. A coin has a value. If you look at, I don't know, we, we don't have $100 coins, right? I know some of our coins are only 10 cents. You lose it, we lose it, we don't care. I, I like this uh, guy in uh, CNN. He says, don't look at the lost sand. It has value, you know? Now, think of the lost coin as maybe $100 worth. And he loses it. And this woman goes everywhere to search for this lost coin. And the Lord said to me this, the coin may be lost, but it never lost its value. The soul may be lost, but the soul has never lost its value. Which is why I, I remembered someone who has backslidden very badly. And there was one day God said to me, pray for that soul to come back. He's like a lost sheep. He's wandered off. And he's like a lost coin. He's forgotten his value. He's forgotten his valuable to himself. He's valuable to God. He's exchanged his value for worthless things. Pray for him. And I prayed for two years. Do you know, after two years, I set up a cell group specially to bring this guy back. And praise God, he came back. That is what God, now I, if I can do that, think of what God has done to bring back his lost souls. They're lost, but they're not lost its value. And not only that, he, in the parable of the lost son is where the climax is. Now, I want to give you three things about this story. The first thing is this. The boy left the father's house of his own volition. He knew it was the wrong place to go. He knew that where he was going would probably put him in things. But he wanted to challenge that thinking, that mindset. He wanted to challenge maybe that the world is better than his father's house. So he left and he transacted his soul willingly. He left by choice. Secondly, for him to come back to his father, his soul had to be awakened. He had, it says there, he came to his senses. Now, this is very sad. God, the father, even though he was powerful, he was rich, he could not send maybe some henchmen to go and beat the people up and bring the son back. He could not force the son to come back. The son has to be awakened to come to his senses to come back to the father. But when he came back to the father, look at what the father did. The father, now the man comes back and he's filthy. He's been amongst pigs. He's the lowest of the lowest. Even the food eaten by the pigs is better than whatever he was doing. It means he must have sunk to the lowest of the lowest. He's probably kicked around, treated like the scum of the earth. And when he comes back, he's filthy. He's ashamed. He has no dignity left. Even the servants must have despised him. He says, do foolish boy, what is our master doing? But the master takes the robe and covers him. What was the master, what was the father doing? The father was covering the shame of the son. The shame of a soul that has lost his dignity. And then he puts a ring on his finger. What does the ring tell you of? Significant authority, sonship. He gives him back his position as a son. He gives him back his identity as a son. And then he puts shoes on his feet. In those days, slaves never wore shoes. The servants never wore shoes. 
only the masters wore shoes. It means they're giving back a purpose, a significance. You see, when God sent His Son, and when we read that beautiful hymn, a Savior is born, unto us a Savior is born. What did Jesus came to save? He came to save the lost soul from having lost His worth. He came to save the soul from shame to give back His dignity. He came to save the soul from loss of identity. You don't even know what it is. What am I? Am I just a mother, a wife, a, a pastor? What am I? No, you are first the Son of God. He came to save us, to give us back our identity. And what else did He do? Purpose, purpose, significance. That is what Jesus did on Christmas morning. When the moment He stepped down on earth, the soul found its worth. You know, I want to add one more thing. This year is truly an amazing year where God has locked us in. You can say it is also the most challenging year, but it's also been the deepest year of my entire life. I remember 21 days I did a fast in the first MCO. It's a very intense fast, which involved water fast and really a fast. But at the end of the 21 days, I, would take, I was going to take, I did communion. It's the only communion that I've done alone with God and the, Lord, the, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's the only communion that took one hour to do. As I went into that communion, and I began to worship and worship, and be really, I don't know, i just just so drawn in by what God has been saying to me. As I took the bread and I broke it and ate it, I sensed the brokenness of our human lives. We are truly men and women who don't know the value of life, value of souls, value of our own lives. And we have exchanged it for so many things. And even as I took that bread and ate it, I kind of stopped and I couldn't take the cup until a while later, I've never heard this invitation in my entire life. And I guess I may not hear it again. But the Lord Jesus said to me, come, follow me. Come into the garden. And we all know instinctively that when Jesus says, come into the garden, he's talking about the garden of Gethsemane. And so I felt I was here in the garden of Gethsemane. What a scene. There is only Peter, James, and John, and they're asleep, and there's Jesus. And the Holy Spirit began to say to me, or rather the Lord himself began to say to me, what made me, so he said, pick up your cup now. So I took up that precious cup, the precious cup of fruit, of, of wine juice. I took it, and I couldn't drink it. And then the Lord says, what made me drink that cup of affliction? What made me drink it? And you know, because the whole of COVID-19 had caused me to stare at the sadness of the world, the brokenness of the world, despite all its wisdom and all its cleverness, despite the fact that they can send a man to the moon, they can make autonomous vehicles, they can do all kinds of things. Death was something they could not stop. And as thousands upon thousands, as we hear the figures coming, 10,000, 100,000 of people dying, I felt this. And the Lord Jesus said, it was the anguish of my father's heart that made me take the cup of affliction. And I cried, and I cried. And up to today, when I do this message, I cry. Because in these three parables, 
you see the anguish of the father's heart. First of all, the father waited night and day, day and night, and longed and pined for the son to awake to his senses. He could not force him. He could not persuade him. He might have sent letters to him, but he could not make him change his mind. He had to wait for that moment, for the soul to be awakened and turned back to him. And when he saw him afar off, he rushed out to meet him and he grasped him and he cuddled him and held him. And that is why you see in all the three parables, it says, and the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents, both in the parable of the lost sheep, in the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. For this, my son was lost, is found. Wow. And I felt the Lord say to me, He said to me, bring my sons back will be the greatest message God has for you and me, for His church at this time. Bring His sons and His daughters back from captivity, from having transacted their souls for just sometimes a little bit of fame, a little bit of position, sometimes for jealousy, sometimes just to have our opinions, sometimes even just to prove we are better than others, but we can lose our soul. So what is Christmas about? Let me give you the words of this song. O holy night, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. And I want you to imagine the angels. The angels must have seen Father God, our Maker, Sadden each time we make a wrong choice and we lose our soul. We lose our dignity. We lose eternity. We lose our authority. We lose meaning in life. We go in circles. We go into despair, in discouragement. Things can easily overcome us. Do you know when the life of God flows into us, there is not just dignity. There's a life that helps us to overcome every difficulty, Every despairing moment. You see, why did Jesus keep saying, to him that overcomes, he gets? Because a soul has the power to overcome anything in life. Anything. Why does a soul have the power to overcome anything in life? Because if that soul is linked back to God, the life of God flows into the soul of the man. Which is why saving souls is so important to God. It's so important. Only the life of God will stop us and the wisdom of God and the greatness of God and the goodness of God and the love of God will help us not transact our souls. When we are loved, we are wanted, we are chosen, we are desired, that gives us great strength. That is why the angels sang, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. And I feel so sad when I come to this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. And when a moment my soul feel its worth, a thrill of hope, no longer do I be subjected to despair, discouragement, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn And that is why we fall on our knees And we worship I want you to think of this right now As we come 
to a close of this morning, as you prepare towards Christmas, are you still living in error? Are you still allowing yourself to exchange the dignity of your soul for just worthless things? Are you still allowing the devil to deceive you? There's time. You can do whatever you want. There will one fine day only you go back to God. Dr. Faustus thought that. He thought that he had 24 years. He would surely come to his senses before the 24 years and come back to God willingly. But he did not. Because the devil is evil. He lures you, lures you until you are such a captive, you could not break the chains. But today, God is saying, now is the time of salvation. Now is the day you break the chains. Now is the day your soul is awakened. Why is your soul awakened? Because the presence of God is here. God is now speaking to you, not just to another person. Now is your soul awakened. And the joy of your Father, even if one person on the whole of this live streaming comes back and says, I have lost the value of my soul. I don't even know the purpose of my life. I thought if I could do this, if I could do that, if I could give this, I could give this away, I could do this and all that, I would be valuable, I would be significant. No, it's coming back to God. It's allowing His life to flow through us that will restore our soul. And if that is you, I want you first of all to worship with us. And we're going to sing this song, O Holy Night. Hear the angels singing into you. Hear the Holy Spirit showing you the value of your soul. I must share with this one thing. One, you know, in 1984, after more than 20, 30 years of being a Christian, I can't remember how long then, God came to me in a very powerful time in 1984. And at that time, I struggled to know the value of my soul. Even though, yes, I am intelligent, I have great accolades, and I'm the wife of a godly man, and I've been a godly Christian as far as I knew, I did not know the worth of my soul. And on that night, the Holy Spirit said this to me, if you are the only person in the whole world, I would have come and died for you. And I struggled with understanding that. Now I know why. Because to Him, one soul is equal to joy unspeakable. My Father God, your one soul is worth everything Jesus came for. Even if one soul comes back to Him and says, Father, Father, I am so foolish. Jesus says it would have been worth it. Oh, I want to give you a prayer that I wrote down. I call it the prayer of salvation. And even though you may have been a Christian for a long time, you can still go through this prayer. If you have never known what it is like to belong to God, to have His life flowing into you, this is the time to pray this prayer. Now forgive me, I'm an old lady as I told you. I hope I can see all the prayer, the words I've written. I want you to join me, all of us, whether we know the Lord or we don't know, this glorious Saviour that has come to save our soul from going into the wrong transactions. The most important that Jesus has come is to save us from our own foolishness, for allowing our souls to transact for things that are not valuable. So join me in, share, in saying this prayer. Are you ready? If you're ready, just type onto the chat room, I'm ready, I'm ready. Almighty God, 
I truly did not realize that my soul has unimaginable worth. Did not realize that my soul has unimaginable worth and that you have made me for yourself. Let's say it together. And that you have made me for yourself. You have always wanted me, longed for me, and sought and so much that you sent Jesus to lay down his life to ransom my soul so that I can be reconciled back to you. Wow. I acknowledge. Now, what is sin? Sin is this. I acknowledge that I've sinned against you by rejecting you, by rejecting this love, this amazing value, by rejecting my own value. Lord, I'm truly foolish. Today, I believe that Jesus died that I may be forgiven for such foolishness. I ask that you forgive me of my sins and I confess my need of Jesus. I renounce worship of all other gods and accept Jesus as my only Lord and Saviour because the salvation of my soul can only be found in Him. I thank you that as I receive this gift of forgiveness of my sins, my shame is gone and my soul's worth is restored as I confess Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour. I am now a child of God, a son, a daughter of God, and my name is written in heaven because my soul is eternal. I will spend eternity in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that today my soul will have eternal life and I can call you my heavenly Father. Almighty God, how precious is the night when Christ was born. How precious that you remind us this season the soul of man is priceless. The soul of man is purposeful. The soul of man is of immeasurable worth to God. He loves us. He wants us. He longs for us. Father, we pray that over this Christmas season, the world will no longer be in error and be in rejection of God. Father, let there be such a powerful spirit of reviving, of an understanding of the worth of the soul of man to go throughout the face of this earth, O oh Lord God, that we will never transact our souls for something less than the value you have given it. And so, Lord, may this Christmas season be a powerful season when we hear you say, Child, you are mine. Child, you are mine. I hope you've had a good time relating to the Spirit of God. And if this is the first time or even you want prayers and you want someone to pray for you again because you feel like everything this year has crowded God out of your life or you just want prayers or even this is the first time you have invited Jesus to be the Savior, to give you back the value of your soul, to want the life of God to flow into you again, please go into our online chat room. I really wish with all my heart, 
I could see you here personally. But never mind, go into our online chat room. The pastors are there, the people are there. People who long to tell you that the Father was waiting for you. So please go into our online chat room and please don't forget next this weekend, Friday 25th, 10.30 a.m. Everybody say 10.30 a.m. Get your watch party packs ready, get your friends ready, get your house ready, get yourself ready, get yourself ready. And on the 26th, 27th, the whole weekend, Pastor Chiu, Jonathan Nan, Pastor Isaac, Young having the trio. Oh, Father, Son is coming. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will be with us sharing to us how powerful God has, what a powerful thing God has done in this Christmas season. So have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you. Now may the love of God, my Father, be with you. The grace of my wonderful Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship, the koinonia, the walking with the Holy Spirit be your portion until we meet again. God bless you. God bless you.